Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. So tomorrow is actually the 400th anniversary of the so-called First Thanksgiving from 1621. But what's the real story? Kenneth C. Davis knows he is the best-selling author. He is the franchise. Don't know much about history. This is Kenneth Davis. Kenneth, thank you so much for coming back to the program. Hello, Michael. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I just want to say it right off that I love Thanksgiving. So we want to be clear about that. Love Uh-oh. every piece Uh-oh. of it. Oh, that's wait a minute. That sounds like a warning of sorts. As if remember, I told you I love Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know those little turkey cutouts. You know, you trace your hand with sure. your five-year-old yeah. to make the turkey, and the little uh, Indians with cute standing next to the little pilgrims with their black hats, cute. Um, Most of that is mythology, and Uh it's a fascinating story that we should truly understand, Uh but um, there's a lot of mythology here, starting with the fact. I was going to say, I fear the pilgrims are about to go the way of the Easter bunny. Uh, They're they're approximately in the same category in, in terms of mythology. I should say, first of all, that the the myth begins with the fact that we're doing this on a Thursday in November. Um, 400 years ago, it certainly took place in October, and um, I know your Thanksgiving Day feast may last a little too long. Theirs lasted three days. Um, So just to go back some of the basic facts here, the so-called pilgrims arrive on the Mayflower uh, off the coast of New England in December of 1620, lousy time to start a colony in Massachusetts. The Mayflower anchors there, doesn't return to England because nobody wanted to try to cross the North Atlantic in December, and a few men come ashore start to build a communal house. Yes, they had a commune, uh, as in communism. They were going to live together and work (laughs) together. Uh, The first year is horrible. Uh, Half of the 102 on the Mayflower died in that first year. Um, But when October rolled around, they were happy enough to be able to bring in a harvest and decide that they were going to celebrate. Hence the first what we call Thanksgiving feast. And it was three days and it was in October. And they did have turkey, but it was wild turkey. A lot more seafood, cod, mussels, uh, lobster. The ocean was teeming with seafood. And that really is what kept them alive in that first year. And who were the participants, just the pilgrims or pilgrims and Native Americans? Well, let's start with just the pilgrims, because only about half of the Mayflower's passengers were what we would think of as pilgrims, people coming to this new colony to uh, be able to practice their religion freely. Backing up a second, this is uh, England after uh, Henry VIII breaks away from the Catholic Church, and uh, the Protestant Church begins. The Church of England is still very much like the Catholic Church. Some people believe that it should be purified. They are the people we call Puritans. The Pilgrims were people who think thought that the Church of England and the Puritans hadn't gone far enough. They wanted to break away completely. They were separatists. They went to live in, in Holland for 10 years. They were really very specific that they didn't want 
this kind of religion, and that's what they came for. The other half of those passengers on the Mayflower were people who were coming for opportunity. Some of them were indentured servants who had agreed to sign on for this passage uh, to work for a number of years, and at the end of it, get some land of their own. So a lot of mythology really baked into even the idea that all of these people were pilgrims. Um, they survived in part because uh, in March, as they were struggling through the first winter and people were dying from exposure starvation and uh, and disease, uh, uh, a half-naked Native American walks into camp and st- strikingly speaks English. This is Squanto? for some beer. He is the man we call Samoset. Uh-huh. Uh, he is followed a few days later by the man named Squanto, which is probably a shortening of a, a name, Tisquantum. He speaks even better English. With this, they didn't tell us back there in grade school was how Squanto and, uh, and others learned to speak English. Um, many English and other European fishermen, traders, sailors had been in these waters for a long time. The pilgrims were not the first ones to arrive there. Um, Squanto, in fact, had been taken captive five years earlier by an English sea captain and sold into slavery in Spain. Makes his way to England in London, finds somebody who thinks this can speak English and he knows the territory. We'll send him back on a, one of our boats because he'd be very useful. And that is why this English-speaking Native American is in near this village that the pilgrims call their own. By the way, that village, that settlement, was a native uh, village called Patuxet, where all of the inhabitants were dead when the pilgrims arrived. They had been wiped out by a disease, uh, some sort of epidemic. We don't know exactly it was, but this was very, very typical in uh, colonial uh, exploratory America after the arrival of Columbus and other Europeans, the introduction of diseases that wiped out enormous numbers of the native population. Kenneth, who won the football football game that first year in 1621, the, the pilgrims or the Native Americans? Well, you know, uh, you asked who was invited. They weren't invited, but 91 warriors did show up. They were very good guests. They brought in the venison. They brought in five deer. So in addition to the eel, which might not be on your table this year, which they ate, you could add venison. Um, they, they did have um, uh, athletic contests, we could say, but no football. There were races. There, were, there was wrestling. So it was uh, you know, a pretty congenial moment. And, of course, the, the pilgrims did bring out their muskets to uh, limber them out a little bit and just to remind the, um, their uninvited guests that they had guns. Um, And that's also a reminder that a few years after that first Happy Thanksgiving in 1621, these people were at war with each other. The son of the chief who sat down with the pilgrims in 1621 was known as King Philip. King Philip's war was one of the most bloody conflicts in New England history. And a reminder that um, this happy day in October 21 uh, was the beginning of the end for most of the uh, native people of uh, New England, which is why they call it Thanksgiving rather than Thanksgiving. This is Kenneth C. Davis. He is the best-selling author. He is, as I like to say, the franchise. Don't know much about history. How how are you so knowledgeable? And by that I mean, what are the records on which you are able to rely? 
to say it really did take place in 1621? Well, fortunately, uh, we, we do have a, a limited number of records. Uh, William Bradford, a Mayflower uh, member of the, of the Pilgrims, wrote a, a fairly complex, complete history of the Plymouth Plantation. And he describes this feat, uh, this feast. That, that they had, including what they ate. Uh, there's another contemporary primary source document uh, uh, in, that, uh, in that collection that also describes the first Thanksgiving. And there, there are many other records since then. So we do have a, a complete sense of this. And the story is so much more interesting, fascinating, compelling than the kind of hokey story we tell at the Christ, you know, the Thanksgiving pageant, that it's really a shame that we don't get the real story. Um, I've always said that history is a lot more interesting than the dates and battles and speeches. And this is a perfect example of that. Um, the story of how Squanto survives five years in slavery, returns to his village and finds his, his entire village wiped out, but becomes allied with these people is an extraordinary piece of our history. And we should understand the real history if we want to learn something from it. Beyond what you've already given us, tell me something that I can share and people who are listening to us across the country can share at our table tomorrow so as to appear knowledgeable. What's, what's a well, good the, bit of trivia or detail? Oh, well, the, the person who pressed for a long on, this was not a national holiday for a very long time. George Washington had called for a day of Thanksgiving, but it had nothing to do with the pilgrims. It was a, a day of Thanksgiving for the Constitution. But it, during the Civil War in 1863, uh, a, a time when Abraham Lincoln had very little to be thankful for, he makes the first Thanksgiving proclamation. No reference to the pilgrims, just a day of Thanksgiving and gratitude. It was the work of a woman who had been lobbying for this idea for 30 years. Her name is Sarah Josepha Hale. Um, the interesting piece about her, she also wrote a poem called Mary Had a Little Lamb. So we can thank the author of Mary Had a Little Lamb for the Thanksgiving placed where it is. Another really good one, uh, Michael. 1939, there were two Thanksgivings that year because our in this country over everything. Franklin D. Roosevelt had moved the traditional Thanksgiving holiday up a week because it used to be the last Thursday. There were five Thursdays in 1939. Retailers came to him during the Depression, said, please move the holiday up a week. So he did that. Republicans said this was a phony thing, and they were going to have the real Thanksgiving on the fifth Thursday. So that year, there was a Democratic and Republican oh Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fake one, or the, the early one was called Franksgiving for Franklin D. Roosevelt. <laughs> That's great. Two years later, in 1941, Congress finally agreed that we will set this date on the fourth Thursday in November, which is where it is today. That now that is perfect for my audience. Uh, on that, <laughs> on that, we can all say cheers. Kenneth C. Davis, that was excellent. Thank you so much for coming back. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, and everyone enjoy the holiday. We all have lots to be grateful for, even at a very uh, dreadful moment in our history. Thank you for that. Don't know much about history. It's his franchise. 1939 to 
Thanksgivings. I would have eaten turkey at both of them. Of course you because would have. That I'm, was a great... I'm, because I'm purple and I'm bipartisan. Or you might have just celebrated on the weekend, stuck in the middle. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Michael, that um, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but of course it happened, in that my podcast this week is the exact same topic that you just covered with Kenneth Davis. I have a different guest, Mm. uh, but it is the myth of Thanksgiving is my podcast episode tomorrow. My guest is David Silverman, who's a professor of history at George Washington University and the author of This Land is Their Land, The Wampanoag Indians, Plymouth Colony, and the Troubled History of Thanksgiving. And like the conversation you just had with Kenneth Davis, it's a real eye-opener and really interesting. So... Bravo all around. So TC, great TC, minds TC alike. After Dark lives on Thanksgiving weekend and with a very timely analysis. Correct. Correct. Exactly that. And, you know, tune in. Nicely done. This land is your land and this land is my land from the California to the New York. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.